I don't know if you know about this, but well, here, here's your intro. So, <clears throat> some pastors, and I know this because when I was in college, I had a professor who had been a pastor for a long time who told me about these things, have books that are like this thick, and they're just full of illustrations. They're like, oh, you need a, you're talking about love. Here's 20 illustrations about love that you can use. And I promised myself, that's not who I'm going to be. I have enough stories of my own. I'll come up with it as I go. And then we come to today, where I couldn't come up with one on my own. And I don't have one of those books. So there's no real intro. But let's just read it. Let's say, the, God doesn't need an intro, does he? Let's just read it. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church, excuse me, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's dive right into it then. Number one on your note sheets, number one, comes from God. Number one, comes from God. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. It's important that we realize, yeah, you guys might say to yourselves, man, it seems like Pastor Sam says the, the same thing over and over and over and over again. He's been our pastor for almost three years, and he just seems to say a lot of the same stuff. You're right, but it's because this book says a lot of the same stuff. Maybe it's because we, and I'm including myself in this, and by we, I mean humanity, doesn't get the picture very well most of the time. It's important that we remember where everything we have comes from. Everything. Physical, monetary, spiritual, every aspect of what we have, of who we are, comes from and is allowed by God. There isn't a thing that you can do without him. There isn't a thing you can have without him. And it's in the riches of his glory. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Paul begins this section, this paragraph, by talking about the glory of God again. Oftentimes we kind of, we overlook the glory of God way too often. You know, we sing things like, how great is our God, and holy is the Lord, and we, we talk about, you know, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, all oh, this stuff, and it's so incredible. And we sing about it, and we sing about it, and we talk about it, and we praise him, and then we go home. And we spend the next six days and 20, let's see, church service is an hour, so next six days and 23 hours, not really Worrying about the glory of God, not really, not worrying, I should say, thinking about the glory of God. We spend so much time on our issues, on our what's happening during the week, 
on the fact that, oh, I've got to get this done and this done, and I've got to make dinner, and I've got to clean this, and I've got to go to work, and I've got to do this. And we, we allow the, the glory of God in our lives to just kind of continuously get pushed down. Now, is God any less glorified? No, he's not. He does not require us to glorify him. He is glory, right? But we need to recognize where it all comes from. And then it goes into, we are strengthened through his spirit, strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. This little tiny half sentence can completely change the outlook of our lives. In six, seven words, Paul shows us why we can do anything. Paul shows us why and how. Paul shows us the spirit is the power in us, in the inner man. Now, whether you're a dichotomist or a trichotomist, and that just means dichotomists believe that there is only a soul. Trichotomists believe there's the soul slash spirit and they are two separate things. doesn't matter. Something goes to heaven. That's what matters. Use whatever term you would like to. That's the inner man. You are strengthened in your soul. You are strengthened in your spirit through the Holy Spirit. We all are facing various things in life. It might be the death of a loved one. It might be losing our job because of COVID. It might be a, a, a son or a daughter who's not following uh, after Christ, it might be our very own self is the problem. I'm going to say that that last one generally is the problem. But recognize where your power comes from. It does not come from your station in life. It does not come from the amount of zeros in your bank account. Because here's the thing, we all can have the same amount of zeros, just put them all after the decimal point. It doesn't matter about your job title. It doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter how respected you are. That's not where your power, where your authority comes from. It comes from the Spirit in you. From the Holy Spirit in you. For a long time, I always wondered at the verse when, when Christ is like, it's a good thing that I'm leaving. Why would it be a good thing that God, in human form, is leaving to go into heaven? Because it meant that God in spirit form can come. Here's the thing. Jesus as a man doesn't indwell you. The Holy Spirit does. And he strengthens you to face whatever it is you are being tasked to face. Now, here's something else that's important to remember. My dad had a lot of sayings, right? And, and I've said a lot of them, and some of them you guys laugh at, some of them you don't. I realized that most of my dad's sayings were sayings that my dad said, and nobody else did. For instance, and I say this all the time, and I said it to somebody while I was in college, and they were like, what? If you go, yeah, but, he will go, yabbits yeah, live in the woods. What does it mean? Who knows? So I'm in college, and somebody went, yeah, but, and I went, yabbits yeah, live in the woods. And they went, what? And I'm like, I don't know, my dad says it. Here's something that my dad said that I know is not just something he says. God does not grant you the grace and the power to walk through something that is not yours to walk through. What did he mean by that? Do not take up somebody 
else's offense. Do not take up somebody else's problem. God will give them the grace to deal with their problem and the grace to deal with yours. He doesn't grant you an extra measure to go deal with theirs as well. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're the head of the family or something like that, that you're not the spiritual head and you deal with that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that if your friend is walking through something, you support them, you help them where you can, but ultimately, it is theirs to walk through. You can't fully carry somebody else's burden. God doesn't give you the strength to do it. Could he? Yeah, he could. He's got more than enough to spare. Trust me, you have enough issues of your own that you need to work through. But he will give you, and here's the great thing. And as a kid, I didn't understand this. I'm still kind of a kid, right? I'm only 26. But I've seen it so much in my own life now that I know you all have seen it as well. It's very rarely any extra strength. It's usually just enough to get through that day. And I used to wonder, why would God do that? Why would God only give us enough? He has so much. Why would he only give us just enough? And then I learned something very important about humans. We like to do things on our own, and we like to take the credit. And if God gave us more than we needed, we wouldn't go back to him. And he wouldn't be the one that ultimately gets the glory. Right? Think about Gideon. Thousands upon thousands of soldiers, and he ends up with 300, some lamps and some horns. And he defeats the Midianites. It's important to remember that you are strengthened through the Spirit, but just enough for what you are facing. Not anybody else, what anybody else is facing, and not enough for tomorrow as well. Just enough for today. It's like the manna. Take just enough for today. Except for on the Sabbath day, you take enough for that day as well. So it comes from God. We need to recognize where that comes from. Number two here. Number two. Smarts. Yes, S-M-A-R-T-S. Smarts won't get you there. <clears throat> I like to think of myself as a fairly intelligent person. I've got a 1790 on my SATs without studying a lick. I was the number one person in the state of Pennsylvania for reading when I took the ACTs. I can't do that anymore. In fact, I was just talking to Maddie a couple days ago that I have to reread things four or five times before my brain actually accepts it. It's kind of annoying. I told my mom that and she says, wait till you're 50. <laughs> I like to think of myself as smart. I've got all this education. I went to college. I've got, I've, I like to study. I like to learn. And sometimes all of that knowledge kind of backfires on us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. It is not head knowledge. It is not understanding that allows us to know what is the surpassing fullness of God's love? It is faith that allows that. And to be frank, or to, be, to take it a little further, faith like a child that allows us to do that. You see, you can memorize this book front to back. You could pull up an Apocrypha and memorize that as well. Memorize every book written, every sentence, every word, and you would not be able to understand the love of God. All the science in the world, all the history, all the reasoning, all of it, 
It won't get you there. Faith does. And that's terrifying to somebody like me who likes tangible knowledge because you cannot hold faith in your hand because if you could, you wouldn't need faith anymore. It's why our, our Lord tells us, right, that faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love, and faith will pass away. Why? Because in heaven you don't need faith anymore. You don't need hope anymore. It's been realized. It's there. Faith is what allows us to know to our best understanding, because we do have a finite mind, the love of God, right? That, where is it? Right there in verse, uh, verse 18. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge or in uh, other translations that I haven't memorized surpasses all understanding. It doesn't just surpass knowledge. You can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. God creates us. We turn our backs on him. He says, no, I'm not done with you yet. I will come down myself and die for you. And all you have to do is say yes. That's all you've got to do. That doesn't make sense. In a world that screams, I, I've seen this, I, you know, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on social media, and I see this all over the place. Don't cross an ocean for somebody that wouldn't cross a puddle for you. Mm, man, that's such a worldly sentiment. It'll stop you from getting hurt. Jesus got hurt pretty bad. He crossed an ocean for somebody that wouldn't even cross the tiniest drop of water for him. Do cross the ocean. This type of love surpasses what we can understand. I love my wife enough, and she knows this because I've told her, and I believe that to the degree that I can, I've shown it, that if it was her or me, I would die without a second's hesitation. I know my dad is the same way. I know plenty of people that are the same way, that have that sort of love. Greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for a friend, and God did it for somebody that wasn't his friend, so that we could be. All of the knowledge in the world won't get you there, because it doesn't make any sense. The Bible itself says it's foolishness to those who don't have the spirit to understand it. Faith allows it. And then we talked a little bit about that filling today with the hymn. And we talk about that filling, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. What does that look like? It's his love in you, in you, at all times, overflowing. I like to think about it like this, right? We talk about, you know, uh, uh, David writes, my cup is overflowing. It's not just, oh, there's a little trickle in there, so it's coming out. I think about it like this. Here's a cup. And you've got one of the five-gallon jugs of water, right? And you just tip it up and hold it there. And water's just spewing everywhere. That's what the fullness of God is like in our lives. When you are experiencing it. And here's the thing. I want to point this out. You can stop yourself from experiencing the fullness of God. God doesn't stop you. But you, if you want to live in sin or you want to walk a different way than what God is telling you to, can stop yourself from feeling that, fulfill, that fullness of God. The love is still there, but it's not overflowing like it should be. But that water gets everywhere. And that's the same thing. When you have the fullness of God in you, that love goes everywhere. 
We talked about it, man, maybe a month ago with people like Dick Cook. That love just spills everywhere. It's on everybody. Everybody he sees and touches, there it is. And that's how we all are supposed to be because of God, the Holy Spirit, in us. I do not have the capacity to love without God in me. No human does. We can have a mockery of love, an idea maybe of what love is. But without the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot know what love is. And you cannot truly show love because God is love. We don't just read that God loves. God is love. Therefore, you cannot love without him in you. So everything comes from God. Smarts aren't going to get you there. No matter of intelligence will get you to the point of feeling that breadth and the depth and the surpassing understanding of the love of God. And then finally, you got to point it back to him. We started with him. We're going to end with him as well. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That beginning there. Now to him who is able, I want to read this correctly. I learned in English how to read when there's commas and stuff in my English classes because I have knowledge. So here's how it goes. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. There's no comma there. So abundantly beyond is a part of the same thing. It was one word in the ancient Greek, and it meant an indescribable amount. I almost wrote down here to infinity and beyond as the, as the title, or not the title, the, uh, the, the point there. But I went, no, we'll make it a little less fun. It's an indescribable amount of things that Christ can do, that God can do. Our language, our minds can't say it, can't comprehend it. Behind, beyond all that we ask or think. I love that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, told Paul to put that or think in there. Because here's the thing, right? We'll ask a lot of questions. How many more do we think? and then never end up asking. Or we'll say a lot of things, but how much more do we think? Some of us need to learn to think a little more before we speak. I'm one of them. But there's so much more that we don't say. Here's the great thing. Also, the scary thing. God already knows. The Bible tells us he knows what you're going to say before you've even prayed it, and we believe that, right? He's, he's omniscient. He knows everything perfectly. So he already knows. Which is another reason why I've told people, listen, if you're upset with God, go talk to him about it. He already knows that you're upset. So go talk to him about it then. Don't be irascible and rude. But go talk to him. He already knows. You can't hide something from God. And he's able to do abundantly beyond whatever we ask of him and whatever we think. He hears your thoughts. That's also incredible because, and I'm sure some of you have experienced this, I have. You're just praying, and you know you're supposed to be praying, and you just don't know what you're supposed to say. And you're there. Maybe you're sitting, standing on your knees. I don't care. But you've just, you know you're supposed to be praying, and you, God, I don't know what to say. My heart is screaming, but I can't make words to what it means. That's okay. Because God knows. 
God hears what your heart is saying. And he's able to do abundantly beyond, more than you could think, an indescribable amount more than that. And to that God, Paul says, that is the God. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen means let it be so. That's why we end our prayers a lot of times with amen. We say what, what we've just prayed, let it be so. That's what Paul is saying here. What we just said, let it be so. To all generations. We live, we do live in a harsh world, in a hard world, in a dark time. There's no doubt about that. I'm also here to tell you that from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, the world has been trying to do away with God. Sometimes in different ways. Something was pointed out in a men's Bible study that we're doing. By the way, Bible study, men's and women's, you should come out to that. I don't know what the next date is. I don't have the bulletin in front of me. But whenever it is, it's on Monday night at 6, you should come out to that. In the men's one, we talked a little bit about this idea that in, in Genesis chapter 2, we read, the Lord God said, the Lord God did, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. And then when the serpent comes, he says, did God say that? They took the word Lord out. And from that point on, throughout all of history, Satan has been doing his best to remove the term Lord from God. Let you have your religion. Just don't follow the authority of it. Let you follow your religion. But you don't need to actually uh, show up at church on Sunday. But the other six days and 23 hours, maybe it's a long service, six days and 22 hours, don't, don't worry about it. All of history has been trying to do that. And yet, you just can't seem to take Lord out of it. You might be able to at points, and there have been times in my life when I've said, I know you're God, but you are not my Lord right now. 15, 16-year-old Sam had some issues he had to work through. All generations forever and ever. There has never been a point where God has not been the Lord God. And there never will be a point where God is not the Lord God. For the rest of time and thereafter, he will always be the Lord God to all generations forever and ever. They try to remove him. We try to remove him. I have tried to remove him but he's still there. He promised he would be, and he is. To him be that glory. We've talked a lot about here in Ephesians about God. We talked about predestination. We talked about our purpose. We talked about the mystery of Christ, about how um, Gentiles are not just able to go to heaven. We are equal heirs with Christ. We talked about being great. Nope, that was a different sermon. We talked about being made one. We talked about all this different stuff and everything. Here we are, right in the middle of Ephesians. We've got three chapters left. And right in the middle of his letter, Paul reminds the church in Ephesus and everyone else who's read this letter from that point till now who it's all about and who ultimately gets the glory and who ultimately gets the honor. And everything, I want to point this out. This is the last thing before we go today. Everything we've talked about being made one, being chosen, having an eternal purpose, 
you know, um, all this stuff. Knowing that love of Christ are all of the reasons that he gets the glory and the honor. And here in the middle, Paul reminds us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can come together and praise you and worship you. God, I want to thank you that all of the intelligence in the world can't understand and can't get us to know that love. Because here's the thing, I count myself as a smart person, but in reality, I'm really not that smart when compared to a ton of people. So I'm thankful, Father, that knowledge won't get me there, but that faith will. Because faith, it doesn't matter how much head knowledge you have. And I want to praise you, Father. I want to ask that you would help us to glorify and honor you. You're going to get that glory and honor anyway. So help us to be a part of it, willingly and willfully. We praise you, Father. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen and amen.